Lose it this time. Yes! Oh, it's just in time again at the PGA Championship. Now on the team, your host from Anaheim, California, Trent Rush and Nico Bellini. Trent Rush here, Ryan Cornelius sitting in for Nico Bellini this week. Glad to have you on the links at our new time. Yes, this is Monday, just after 12 noon, and we're going to be with you now uh, middays on Mondays here moving forward. So excited for that, excited to be talking some golf after what has been, I've heard the word tumultuous, talked about this current golf season that is now in the books after Rory McIlroy claimed the Tour Championship yesterday. Uh, I've heard a lot of words to describe what has been so bizarre about this. PGA Tour season and the impact that Liv has had in all of this. And the storyline never ends, right? I mean, this is something uh, Nico and I started this show a year ago yesterday. It's been 366 days since we have been on with this show. And it has been arguably the most fascinating year that the PGA Tour has ever had. It has been interesting in the sense that there has been drama every week. And unfortunately, not all of it has happened on the golf course. And that was one thing that when we started the show, the mission of what we wanted to accomplish here was not to be all about PGA Tour talk and what happens there. Yes, that is a part of it. People that are interested in golf generally are interested on the PGA Tour. But we started the show to talk about the courses that you play and the way you play. And Nico being the great golfer that he is and me being the very average golfer that I am, we thought that that would be a marriage that could work. Um and talk about different things here in Southern California. Both of us Southern California guys. And Nico's going to be back next week. But all of that to say, it's been almost impossible not to talk about the PGA Tour because there has been so many dramatic changes that have happened each and every week. It's been two weeks since we've been on. And just in that time, the entire schedule, in terms of the meaning and the value and the way the PGA Tour is structured, all of that has been thrown out and reset overnight. Since the last time we were on the air, it's been dramatic what has changed on the PGA Tour. You talk about more high-profile events, the idea to get more top players playing together and have them do it 20 times a year, the idea that you're going to be able to get $5,000 to guys that are still cutting their teeth on the PGA Tour. Maybe they have their tour card but aren't really established on the tour where that five grand for travel is going to be pretty meaningful as opposed to blowing everything you got just trying to survive on the PGA Tour, which at the time was the only league in professional sports that's like that, where your bottom-tier players are just trying to hang on paycheck to paycheck. You know, that $5,000 makes a big difference. The PGA Tour and Jay Moynihan putting together new rules that are going to help the top guys make more money and the bottom guys be able to stay afloat. So all of that is good for the PGA Tour. And the person that has been the face of the tour all year, that has carried the burden of representing the PGA through all of this, through all the drama, through all the Greg Norman stuff that has happened with the Saudi-backed LIV Tour series, whatever you want to call it. There are some that would say I'm giving it too much credence by saying that it's a tour of their own. And they have a big event coming up in Boston this upcoming week. But you look at all of these things, and Rory McIlroy has been the guy at the forefront of all of that. The heartbreak at St. Andrews, where he let the 150th Open slip right through his fingertips, to now crowned Tour Champion. Something he did yesterday, and 
Uh, I'm going to welcome in Ryan Cornelius. Now, Ryan, first of all, great to see you, the host of Off the Screws. Great podcast that you do. I highly encourage anybody that anybody that enjoys listening to things that we talk about on this show. Uh, Ryan goes into a lot of that, too. It's a little different show than this one, but it's you really if, if you like this, I think you'd really enjoy uh, Ryan's podcast as well, Off the Screws. Um, Ryan, as you were watching Rory McIlroy be able to tap in that two-inch putt there on 18 to seal it as the Tour champion, what were you thinking in that moment after you just consider everything that Rory has done and been through this year? Well, we were watching the Open, what, a month ago, and I, I was a little sad. I know Rory was kind of crowned and didn't finish it off, but I just thought the poetic justice of what that would have accomplished, that win, when we needed it, with all the live stuff going on, we kind of weren't given what I thought golf world needed. And I think this, having him win this over Scotty Scheffler, having them two being the final pairing, kind of the two biggest heads right now on the PJ Tour, it was it was very cool to see. Poetic justice was finally served. I think it's going to help the PJ Tour going forward. Plus, with all the stuff that Jay Monahan has done, I, I think this was the best way. I, he was pro- Jay Monahan in his office was thinking this was probably the best case scenario for him going forward into the into the off season, into the Presidents Cup, as they kind of do battle with Liv and all their new players. But it was great to see Rory uh, cap that off yesterday. You can't go wrong with either of those guys. And I thought a really cool moment. You actually said this to me that, that they captured with. Rory going up to Scotty's parents and saying like well done to your son and Rory and, and Scotty's parents like congratulating Rory on the win. It was pretty neat to see that because I think that even even the top PGA players like the Scotty Schefflers of the world can acknowledge the significance of Rory McIlroy being the tour champion for the 21-22 season. I think him being the face and this is what when you watch the live things and when you hear about players it doesn't really mean much on their tournaments because it's the I mean you go back to what when Phil Mickelson won those Masters 10-15 years ago when his wife Amy was going through the breast cancer and you saw him crying after you saw Tiger a few years later crying after his win when his dad you know had passed and then kind of like this you see Rory walking up to Scott the guy he just beat in his family giving him hugs telling him you did a great job I'm sorry I beat your son you know I just I, I just you know just beat him today and they were congratulating him pat on the back we love it. it was just it was so awesome to see not only Rory win but the the camaraderie the everyone acknowledging how much it meant it was just it you won't get that on you just no. won't you won't get that on live couple thoughts on that one Scotty Scheffler had an unbelievable year and I personally would have been absolutely comfortable with Scotty winning yesterday I would have been I mean I, I get, absolutely I get what it means in the bigger picture that Rory was able to win yesterday but had Scotty won, you're talking about the Masters champ. What he win four times this year, five other top fives. He had an unbelievable season this year. Scott, Scotty was phenomenal all year long, and just saw it. And people were were like making fun of him, like, "Man, Scotty Scheffler is like the best player on tour." Yeah, he's number one in the world for a reason. Like Scotty Scheffler can play. This dude is for real. And then you see what Rory does. But it also occurred to me that there was a. $11.5 million difference between first and second yesterday. Um, Scotty's putt on 17 looked like me. That was one of the worst putts I've ever seen. I agree. That, that did not come off of my putter face. That was the worst putt I've ever seen off a tour professional. Uh, then he bombs a drive only to hit a horrible second shot, a, a bad bunker shot. Rory hits a terrible approach after you know absolutely bombing the ball on a tee shot. It was funny to me, as these are the very best players in the world. These are the two that, if you were to say who's the best player in the world, most people would say one of those two right now. 
And then you th- you factor in the amount of money that all these guys have made, yet they're still that nervy on 18. I think A, it goes to show you how much they wanted the tour championship, and B, $11.5 million is a lot of money. I don't care how much you have. That was pretty wild. That was some nervy golf on 18. That was, uh, well, they both, well, okay, so they missed the putt on seven. Scotty misses the putt on 17, and Rory hits the flagstick out of the bunker. So, okay, they're coming into 18. They both laser beam drives into the fairway. 330 and 325. I'm going, okay, this is what we want. And I think when I was texting you this while we were watching right. it, this is going to be great. They're going to, maybe Eagles in play. And then right. Rory snaps one into the gallery. And it, uh, okay, then Scotty steps up, and immediately when he hits it, it comes out very heavy. It's forty yards short in the right trap. I'm like, this is okay. Think of it this way. Bear with me. You got Cam Smith is going to rumored to be going for a hundred million for a f- ish a five year deal. So that that putt, those putts, those shots on eighteen for eighteen and a half million. That's a fifth of your five. That's. Twenty million dollars in one putt, essentially, or, or or one shot somewhere on eighteen. That I can't. Could you imagine hitting a even that two inch putt that Rory had? <laughs> I, I mean, that, I, that's not good in our match. I mean, we're, we're not that. No, you're putting that out. That's not. I mean, I, when, when you, I mean, because that, that was the difference. First and second was eleven and a half billion dollars yesterday. Yeah, and it was it was hard to fathom that guys that were that good could still be that nervy. It's not like the FedEx Cup carries the same weight as Augusta or even a U.S. Open or any major. It's not. It's it's a distant fifth compared to the four majors. But these guys still want to win it so bad. It still means a lot, um, even if it's not as much as a major. And then the money is is absurd. So for them to, to play that nervy on 18, uh, I thought was fascinating. I tell you, the guy that I for – for a hot second, I was thinking Sunjay M was in play. Out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I was thinking that you know seven under yesterday. We could be at a we could be at a playoff. Well, he finished at what twenty under. He finished at twenty. Yeah. Well, and it, okay, so you well, said yeah, that Scotty has the big putt. You said between first and second. Look at the difference. I think between second and fourth. So Scotty hits it in that trap and then kind of flies it over the green. Now he's looking at bogey. If he ends up bogeying that, that's another two or three million off that shot. So it was now starting to look at instead of eighteen and a half or whatever it was, Scotty could have dropped to three or four. I mean, it was starting, instead of 11, it was going to turn into a 14 or $15 million hole pretty quick there. So I'm glad that Scotty got that up and down and, uh, you know, tied with M and, and it tied for second. But yeah, M was close there. He was he was making a run and I was a little scared that, and M's a great player, but I was just, for the for the poetic side of it, I, Rory or Scotty were just the ones I was hoping were going to pull through. I mean, it's kind of like when you're playing like match play with somebody and, and you're betting like a dollar amount per hole. I am a firm believer that the actual dollar amount means very little because it's different for everybody. Right. The number that I want to know is what makes you sweat. I, you always say that. I love that. What's the number that makes you uncomfortable? Would 18 million make you sweat? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, so now we know. The number The number that makes Scotty Scheffler and Roy McIlroy sweat. sweat is $11.5 million. I agree. That's the, and then that putt for like a $3 million putt. Like that's... You know, you could be playing sometimes, I mean, hey, I mean, you could be at sometimes $10 a hole if you've lost the first 12 holes. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, man, I got to put gas in my car to get home. <laughs> and now and now you're like sweating that. I mean, I don't care what the number is. You know, but the game I look for is the number that makes you uncomfortable, whether it's $10, $100, $1,000, or in that case, like 
eleven and a half million dollars. That's now we know the number um, there. But I, I thought really cool to see Rory win. I thought Rory was really gracious afterwards, which I, I thoroughly expected and also enjoyed hearing that from Rory McIlroy, who couldn't really be a better face for the PGA Tour. And we've talked a lot about Rory 1.0, 2.0, and who I think now is Rory 3.0. The guy that came on tour, the brash, hot shot, incredible ball striker, the next Tiger Woods that goes and wins four majors. And then you kind of have the pompous hothead that came out, little elitist. Um, and, and what I found to be an immature Rory was Rory 2.0. And for me, as much as I loved Rory 1.0, I despised Rory 2.0. I would root against Rory because I he, he absolutely rubbed me the wrong way. Somewhere along the line, Rory has genuinely matured. He has embraced the leadership aspect of this. And I don't we give Rory a ton of credit. We don't give Rory enough credit for what he's dealing with. Putting the tour on his shoulders, something that the only other person to do that was Tiger. And Tiger was doing it while he was winning all the time. Rory's doing it where he hasn't won a major in eight years. So it's pretty impressive to me the way that, that McElroy has handled himself through all this, being the face of the tour, and, and it, it's it's perfect that he ends up being the tour champion. Did you see that he finished top eight in all four majors? A sneaky top I did eight. not. I did not yeah. realize that. He didn't win one. But to do through all of this, by the way, I, I spoke about this on my podcast the other day. Did You, you heard about that new Netflix series coming out? Oh, we know. I'm, this was I'm the, the star of it. Yeah, right. Oh, that's right. We're, you were at Riviera? Yes. Zico and I, when we were doing this show, we had the Netflix cameras on us there. So I hope we make the final cut. What a jackpot that they picked this year. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine? What? How much material they have? I was texting. And I, with Rory ending, yeah, oh my gosh. I, I was texting with one of the producers a couple of weeks ago, and it, this is just an absolute I it's cannot a gold wait. mine. I yeah. cannot wait. Well, because remember, at Riviera, so we're now we're going to go back to February, mm-hmm. back at Riv, Liv was on life support. We were not sure. Like, right? Like, this is when that's when Rory called it the Super Senior Tour, and he was kind of doing a little victory lap, and it was like the the, the good old days. The Liv Tour <laughs> was done. That was that was this season. That was. Six think months, about how lo- think about how long ago that seems. I mean, that, that feels the like eternity. Yes, years ago. That was this season. I mean, it's pretty wild considering that, and and, and Rory being at that tournament was a big deal, and um, that's why you know, like when I see the names, I'm kind of surprised. I also remember at that. Talking with some of the, the Tiger Woods Foundation people and the people that are a part of TGR that are, are so important for that, they were disappointed because I was there at the media day where um, Harold Varner at the American Express was in the mix on the back nine on Sunday at PJ West. And so I, I that was on Sunday. And then on Monday... We went to Riviera for that's when they did their media day there, and we you got got to we had a good chat with Max Homa, which we shared on this station, and, and you can check that out as part of our podcast as well. And while all that was happening, I remember talking to the people, and they were like, because Harold Varner was one of like the Tiger guys, so they were all really pulling for him. That, that was somebody that was really important to the Tiger Woods Foundation people and the TGR group that was putting on that media day. So then I see today that Harold Varner is one of the names that could be going to live after Tiger has done so much and flew into Delaware, flew to Del- flew to Delaware to meet with all the tour guys and with Rory and had that meeting for everyone to come together. 
and I, I see, okay, Leishman doesn't bother. I mean, Leishman, whatever. That, that's, He's going because of Cam. That's the Australian connection. Sure. But that's also the super senior play. Yeah. That's the same kind of Passes guy prime. they were yeah. getting in January. That's the Henrik Stenson. Joaquin Neiman, uh, Cameron Nagel, um, Lahari. Lahiri, excuse me. Not a big one. Joaquin Neiman's probably the biggest name in that group. He's sure. 23. He's won this year. I, yeah, uh, Neiman, Neiman's a, I mean, Neiman's a player you'd like to have on your I'm team. I'm a little surprised he, he's But Harold, Harold Varner III, that one, that one shocked me. Just because of the, the Tiger connection. Now, I mean, it, is that going to turn the tour one way or another? No. The Cameron Smith one is the fascinating one. Meanwhile, we did learn that Cam Young was going to go. And is not. And now he's going to stay because... Of the meeting that they had and, and the PGA changing the tour. And when you look at the dollars and cents of this, this all boils down to money at the end of the day. Ryan, I know that there is an argument to be made. You can actually make more money on the PGA tour than you can on Lyft. Well, you could. Okay. So I kind of. What kind of bothers me more than. You know, they're making their money. I respect people deciding where they're going for their career. That's their decision. Here's my problem for like Varner, like you were saying. It's basically taking the trust out of his own. He's not trusting his own game. He's essentially saying, like we said, he doesn't want those putts for eight, you know, eighteen million. He doesn't want. He, you go to the live to, for the guaranteed money. So you're just in case that you don't play well going forward, you, you're secure, and that's great. Great for your family. Great for your, you know, for that. But it also is kind of showing that you know you don't really you know maybe I don't play that well. Maybe I don't. So to see that it, it kind of bothers me. But then Monahan comes out, does all this stuff. So this is what Rory is going to get this year. You ready? So the pip, which is the player. Basically, popularity contest. Whoever you know makes the most on social media draws fans in. They get paid the most. That's going to double. So Rory's going to make about twenty million on that this year. He's going to make eighteen from the FedEx. So we're at about forty. He's thirty million estimated on sponsors. That's at seventy. The new uh, the new league with Tiger, where they're going to go into stadiums and do all that. That's rumored to be about ten to twenty. And then the rest of the on course he made this year was ten. So already there, we're at about ninety million in one year. And you've got Cam Smith is rumored to be signing for a hundred million for five year deals, and and then it comes out that when they win on that tour, when you hear that they're winning four million dollars every tournament, that money's coming out of the money they've already been paid. They're it's not making advance. that on. It's a cash advance. You're not getting paid on top of. It. So I think Cam Smith is shorting himself. I, if if Cam Smith has a single season on tour like Rory just did, and he was close, I think he made seven million plus his sponsorships. I think he's shorting himself. I think over the long term, I, I think Cam, if he has a, a one two more years like he just did. Well over 100. I think he's, and I'm wondering if the live players start, you know, after, you know, Phil kind of came out, oh, I want to change the tour, and you're kind of seeing the tour change. Are those guys going to start? I don't know if they can jump ship now that they've signed, but you've got to think there maybe is, they made the wrong call. <laughs> there is no scenario in which Phil Mickelson can make $200 million on the PGA Tour. No. It's correct. Not, just not going to happen. No. But Cam Smith? Cam Smith could make a boatload on tour. That's Joaquin Neiman. I mean, you win, you, you draw the big sponsors, you win a couple tournaments. I mean, you've got a long career. So yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, can, I just don't. I don't think the money. We're kind of talking. Oh, you can make so much more on live. I really don't think if it is at all. I don't think that gap for the top players. You make more guaranteed. Correct. It's it, up it, front. You don't have to worry about how your game is. It's the it's the bird in the hand versus the two in the bush. Correct. And that's the thought. And and if you're going to bet on yourself and you're going to have a year like Rory. You you could make as you can make as much money in one or two seasons on tour as you could in five years on live. Correct, and you get to play in the majors. Which at, to me, looking at it, I don't see how I I cannot see a path now. Now that the in that meeting closed door meeting that uh, Rory had with Tiger and the rest of the board, they were talking about having a they're going to all boycott the majors if they allow live players to play. All of the PJ Tour will boycott. So essentially, you'll have 
200 players not wanting to play in the majors, they I don't see how they could side with live on that. So I can't see live players being allowed. So you're going to give up majors, you're going to take a little more guaranteed money. I I don't know. I'm upset by how ugly this has all gotten. Yeah, it stinks. That, that's that's the part of this because we all love the game, we love the purity of it, and we love how fun it is, and you know, a walk out in nature and, and the great places to go, and um, you get to go explore a new course for the first time. All of that is phenomenal, and when you get and that's why we all fall in love with this game, and we all like watching you know the great moments. I mean, you, you think about. Uh, all the great moments at Augusta and, and St Andrews and, and like Pebble Beach. Like I, I was watching a lot of great U.S. Open stuff before I went up to Pebble this past weekend, and um, that was one of the things that it was. Just, it just draws you to the game is the history and the reverence of it. And and Live is not going to have any of that. And it's not. I'm not saying that the PGA Tour necessarily does either. Like who gives a rip about the John Deere Classic or the 3M Open right. or a lot of these events? Like who cares? Like I, I completely understand that. But the general well-being of being able to watch good golf on a weekly basis and the pros and when they come by your town, it's exciting. You want to go see them. You want to see how how they hit the ball. It's fun to go out. It's family friendly. It's enjoyable. It's not expensive. You go like there there's a lot to that. And that's part of, you know, why I think so many people love watching the PGA tour. Um, you know, I, I think about a tournament I've been going to the American Express for years. Back when it was the Bob Hope to the the fifty different sponsors it's had in the meantime to now it sounds like they have a really good partner in American Express. And they do they do a great job with that event. Are you necessarily getting the, the best players on tour? No. But I make an effort just as a golf fan to get out to the desert every year because it's really fun to go watch those guys play. And in an ideal day, I'll go watch them on a Friday, and then go Saturday morning, go tee it up myself, and then get back to the hotel or get back to the condo to go put it on TV so I can watch the guys play a course that I I like to play, and and I just followed them yesterday. That's really fun to go do that. People enjoy doing that. That's part of what uh, the draw is for the PGA Tour. And and it just everything just kind of feels a little dirty right now. It's fractured, and I bet you would agree with this. I I think before Liv came into play, the NBA, you know, basketball had gotten kind of political. The NFL had gotten kind of political, one way or another. Maybe not baseball as much, but golf was never really that political. It was just you could you could flip it on, you, you could take a nap watching it. You could you nothing could, wrong with that. You could be into it. It was it was just and now it kind of it's kind of fractured. It's political now. It's it's a lot of grudge matches. It's just kind of it. You're right. I think it just feels a little dirty, and we need a cleanup. We need, I don't know how I don't know how it's going to happen. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, but. Um, I think we need something. Fortunately and unfortunately, on this show, this is going to be a continuing theme, as it has been the entire first year of doing this. At the same time, we do want to spend some time talking about local courses, places where we like to play, places where we like to go and travel to. That That's a big part of this show. We've been doing it for a year now. And we, you know, with Nico, we talk a lot about like the psychology of the game. I, I think Ryan is, is my travel, my golf travel agent. We have in studio here today, so we're gonna uh, continue in that vein. I just got back from what I built before I left as the greatest day you can have in golf. I'm gonna explain if it actually was. It was here in California. I'm gonna talk about it when I return uh, and when we return, I should say. He's Ryan Cornelius in for Nico Bellini. My name is Trent Rush. We are on the links here on Angels Radio, AM830. Angels Radio, AM830. 
Angels Radio. AM 830. We are back on the links. Forgive me, I was uh, discussing my round at Pasa Tiempo. Uh, with Ryan Cornelius, season studio today, is sitting in for Nico Bellini. All right, I want to just lay this out here. So I want to talk about my weekend, not because of how I play, but because I think it is possible to find what many people might agree with me, that this is the best day of golf that you could have, in certainly in the West Coast, maybe in America. I would argue in America. So went up to Pebble, played um, Spyglass on Sunday, and then on Monday, it was Pebble Beach in the morning, and Pasa Tiempo in the afternoon. Now, Pasa Tiempo, Alistair McKenzie, Marion Hollins, uh, one of the all-time, I think, great design courses. If you want to talk about a place that what I think is the crescendo of golden age golf design, it truly is Pasa Tiempo. It is, I mean, 15 is a carbon copy of 12 at Augusta. There are a lot of holes on there that have that feel, sneaky slopes, the green undulation is incredible, bunkers all over the place that are well-designed and well-placed, and you have to be very strategic. It is a shot-maker's course, and you don't even have to be great off the tee. It's only 6,500 yards from the tips. It plays bigger than that, but it's only 6,500 yards. You don't have to be great off the tee, but you do have to be great on the approach, and it was really fun to try to walk through a course, or to literally walk through a course, that was designed with the idea of just the, an absolute shot maker's challenge course that in 1929 was regarded as one of the best courses in America, and that holds true still to this day. You are not going to find a, a public golf course with the same kind of design features that you are going to see in a place like Pasa Tiempo. It's up in Santa Cruz. So basically what it is... But you, Pebble Beach on the Monterey Peninsula, uh, it's about an hour. It's just on the other side of Monterey Bay is where Pasa Tiempo is, and it's only a half hour from the San Jose Airport. So it's a, it's a really easy to fly up there and go play um, Pasa Tiempo. It's expensive. It's semi-private, but I think it's like three fifty yeah, to, go, to go play there. But when you think about the price of Pebble Beach and you think about what you're going to pay at the Pebble Beach resorts, all of a sudden three fifty doesn't look so bad. So that's one of the things about uh, Pasa Tiempo, too. It's, it is one of the most premier... Um, it just it's it's the absolute pinnacle of golden age golf design, and it was Alistair McKenzie's finest work, he says, and he even put his home there on the sixth hole, and this is the same guy that designed Cypress Point and Augusta National, and here he is um, at Pasa Tiempo as a course you can play, and I, I just want to go through a little bit about Pasa Tiempo too. That back nine is maybe the most thrilling nine holes that anybody can play on a course that you don't have to be a member to, of courses that you can actually get on, that's about as great as it gets. And it's, again, available. It was not hard to book a tee time there. It was I booked way in advance. I could have booked day of. It, you, could, you can get a tee time there if you're willing to pay. Um, but I, I truly feel that I know it's not really a secret. Golf Digest has, I think, is 11 in their public golf uh, list of the top courses in America. Uh, but it does still feel a little bit like a secret. Pasa Tiempo truly is just one of the all-time great places to play golf. It's kind of, um, I call it Augusta's West Coast sister. It's a If you could play Augusta for $350, would you do it? And that answer is, of course. So that's why I think it's so good. But also, it's kind of in that weird little niche of it's right behind Pebble. 
and Spyglass and Spanish Bay. So I think you get the tourists that go there because they hear about it. They don't really hear about Paso Tiempo, so you don't get the tourist level. So you're right. You can book same day. You could go. And it's walkable. I know you and your dad walked it. Yep. It's a, it's a, it's, I think, I honestly played a lot of golf. You and me have played a lot of golf, played a lot of golf courses. I cannot think of a better public designed course in, in the States. I think that has to be one or two. So it, we, we have this debate all the time. If you could play one round of golf before you die, the yes. number one place, and it's got to be a place that you've played, and yes. and like I'm I'm Cy- Cypress Point, Augusta, Pine Valley, those. those they're out. No, okay? we haven't played them. We don't know. And and no. I'm and even for for my purposes, I'd be willing to even take out like you know I've been fortunate enough to go play Riv and some of the other top you know pretty exclusive clubs. I, I'm those are out. I'm, I'm not including those places you can actually go play where you can book a tee time and get on and go play. Don't want to be morbid, but if uh, but if you this know, is it, this is it. And uh, but you're going tomorrow. Where where can we play? Where are you going to go that you can go and get a tee time and go and play tomorrow? Where is your last one? And. Pasa Tiempo belongs in the conversation. It's not my pick. No, but it's top five. It's in the it's, it's in, in the handful. I think it's in the conversation. I am still going to go with Pebble because I think the stretch of six, seven, eight, gosh, even four and five, the front nine at Pebble and seventeen and eighteen and, and seventeen, right, right, <laughs> all of sixteen. Them. <laughs> I like sixteen a lot. I mean, there's some great holes there, but I think when you were walking up that cliff on six, and then you go down into the par three, and then across the two shots, the second shot where you got to carry the Pacific Ocean on eight. I think that that stretch from six through eight at Pebble Beach is the all-time greatest three-hole stretch that you can play in the United States. And I'll I'll, I'll sit here and I will defend that for eternity because I, I think that's it. And that, that's why I kind of... I lean, I lean Pebble if there's a way to get on. And there are ways to get on without paying $600 and spending the night at the lodge. You can do it. Um, we did it. It's possible. I'm not going to tell you how because I want to be able to do it next year. And <laughs> yeah, we're not the, spilling the secret. I don't want the word to get out. But it is possible to get on without paying 600 bucks a pop. And I, I just was really I – was, I was truly blown away by a course that I have seen on television – countless times that I've been around many, many times before, but the first time actually walking the hallowed grounds and playing Pebble Beach, I think that there is something six through eight stands apart as maybe the greatest stretch of holes I've ever seen. I I had a thought last night. I was thinking about this. St. Andrews, Carnoustie, Augusta, they all kind of feel like you play through a museum. I haven't played Augusta, but you know, Saint, you're playing. Not only are you playing golf, but you're playing in. It's a reveled ground. It's it's hollow yeah. ground, and there's not many places in the states that are that old that you know can compare over the seas. But you get, you know, Augusta, your pebbles, and I think just pebble that adds. You just feel the minute you step on the grounds at Pebble, you're kind of walking on. You just you you can feel the air underneath. It just feels different. I, now I think you know what I meant by that when I was trying to tell you. But it just you're you're in a museum. It's it's one of the coolest experiences. In golf, I think you can have. I sh- I was shaking on the first tee. Oh yeah, because you're not hitting driver Beach, either. I'm, I'm shaking. Well, well, you told me whatever you do, don't hit driver. Do not hit driver. And I think I could have hit driver. But here's the thing: I hit four iron, and I hit a bad four iron. I like shanked it off the toe. But the four iron doesn't go as far as the driver, so a shank isn't going to go <laughs> as far no. off as a driver shank would have gone. So I was still in play and was still able to salvage things there. Uh, but it it really was one of those things where you're you're genuinely nervous. I was nervous the second shot 
on eights where you got to carry the ocean. I wasn't worried about having the right club. I just knew that this was a story I wanted to tell for how this course was going to play because you've seen it done so many times before and so many great, great moments that have happened. And then it helped. So so I was there celebrating my birthday, and my dad's birthday is coming up later in September. And um, so that was that was why we went. We you know we had never played it together, and um, and then he ends up going one over on the last five holes. So he was like super pumped. But really, when when you can go and, and like what you said, hallowed ground. I love that comparison. It is like walking a museum. It, it feels that way. And you know what? I, I don't want to say that there was letdown at Pasatiempo. Because I have read so much about it, but you're you're spending the day and the morning walking the cliffs and walking Pebble Beach, to then like get in the car and you're leaving Pebble and you're going somewhere new and it's a little bit more inland and yes you can see the ocean from the first tee but you're not on the water it's it's a little different and you're like oh, man how, how do you avoid letdown even though you're playing a spectacular place like you just came from Pebble Beach and then you, maybe you go the first two or three holes and and you know what. Hey, this place is because it's not it, the clubhouse is not overly impressive. It's kind of my style, but it's not overly impressive. And you're going and you're walking through Pasa Tiempo, and you hit the first hole. And the first hole is okay, and the second hole is oh wow, this is kind of fun. And three is oh this is cool. And then you get to six. Oh look, it's Alistair McKenzie's house. Seven's really cool. It's lined by pine trees the whole way through. You you have to hit a straight shot. And then you're like, oh, wow, that that front nine was pretty fun. Like that was pretty good. It just it wasn't Pebble. Like, I just played Pebble. No. It wasn't that. Then you play the back nine. And the back nine reveals itself as one of maybe the single greatest nine-hole stretch that you will find in public golf. It was as good as it gets. And it's really, Alistair kind of, it's kind of a, like Augustus front nine is really good. And when you watch the Masters, but I think we, I, I don't, I don't think I could talk to anyone who wouldn't agree that the back nine at the Masters is where the lights come on. I think the front nine is awesome. It's great golf. It's a great design. But I think the real bread and butter of Augusta, and maybe I haven't played Cypress. Um, but I'm thinking now that's kind of a trend is that it seems Alistair courses, those back nines just tend to leave you with just a sparkle. It just is, it's awesome. My advice to anybody that wants to go play truly great golf and you want to be a part of something special, because you can get on Pasa Tiempo. I would go book a flight right now to San Jose. It's a half hour from the airport. Go play Pasa Tiempo right now. Because I need you to hustle so you can get on a second time. That was my thought. I loved Pasa Tiempo. I, I was mesmerized by it. I, I feel in some ways addicted to how special that place is. I was so ready to be done with my round because I can't wait to get on it again and have a second crack at so mm-hmm. many holes. Because that's a place you got to play more than once. But it really, you can get it. If you're hitting your irons well, you can go get that course a little bit. But you got to putt great, and you have to strike your irons. And I don't care. Like I'm somebody that usually off the tee is the strength of my game, and I get worse as it gets closer. You know, My irons are a little better than my wedges. My wedges a little better than my putting, and my putting stinks. So that makes a place like that tough. But if you you don't have to get off the tee great, but if you can if you can hit shots in the right place on the green and make putts, I you can score there. I mean, someone shot at sixty two there. I don't think you're going to do that, but maybe Nico could. I don't know. I don't think so, but we'll see. I, he's going to challenge me on that later. Uh, but but it was one, it's one of those places that uh, there is a there is a reverence to it. And when you think about how many places you can actually get to like that, top of the head, I, there, there's not a whole lot that you can. Not, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I can't. I, no, okay, so I, so what would be your pick? You get you get one okay. place before one place to play before you die. What so you I pick? was telling you yesterday. I I I can't I can't 
not agree with you. I, I think Pebble has to be too. I still that bit when you talked a few weeks ago on podcast about Bandon. Bandon is still it. If I died and went to heaven and Bandon Dunes isn't there, I'm probably gonna be a little disappointed. I it, it, I don't think I would. <laughs> that's as far as Bandon Trails is probably is probably my favorite. And, and but it doesn't have again. It's just different. It doesn't have six seven like you said six seven eight nine seventy eight. There are not better whole a stretch of golf at Pebble. That front, you know, five holes in that stretch. I don't think there's a better stretch, maybe in the world. I, I, if you three like, through eight, three through eight is is, is as top notch as you get. I, it's yeah. it's incredible. You can't beat that. So on that end, I you can't beat that anywhere. So I think I, can I pick two? Can I pick a, a day of thirty six holes before I die? Yeah. Can I go and play those two at once? Because I think those are my top. You uh, might be a little stiff though, getting off the plane gosh. and then you got to drive. <laughs> there is a flight though from San Francisco to North, to Bend. North Bend. Correct. So that, on that a little saves, puddle hopper, that could yeah. we could work it. But no, I. I I, between Pebble and 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 trails over at Bandon Dunes, I, I think um, you can't go wrong. I, of the courses I've played, and I think Pasa Tempo's in that conversation. I don't. I think they're both all right. They're all right in there. Um, I just think um, Pebble is is like you said, it's revered, and it's kind of when I when I went across the um, a pond a couple years back, we played St Andrews in the morning, and we woke up at five a.m. to get on the lottery, and we went and played, and you do all that, and then we played Kings Barnes. Which is a Golf Digest top fifty in the world to go play. It was awesome. It was incredible. Kind of similar. The the, but it wasn't St Andrews. It was just kind of a weird. Like if I would have played them separately, I think I would have had them both so high. But after playing Pasa Tempo after Pebble, it's just tough because you, you go like you said. You just kind of go through Pebble in in awe of the place, and then you go you know to another course and you're kind of worn down and you're ready to go. And and Pasa is great, but. I, I think it's tough to follow Pebble up or St. Andrew, you know, one of those types of courses up with anything I think would just be tough. I don't know how many else, how, how many of you guys can relate to this, but there's almost a bit of a mental fatigue from enjoying something so much and being so in awe and also still wanting to play well and the focus that comes with that and getting through the walk and all that. I, I It's not let down when you go play the second course, but at a certain point, like your your brain starts to fry a little bit, and the body, and you yeah, you start and it's stiff. Two, two big walks. And by the way, if you're gonna go walk Pasa Tiempo, like like the Pebble Walk is easy, the Pasa Tiempo Walk, like there there is surprising elevation on that course. Like you don't you look at it and Augusta like yeah, you don't you don't think it's gonna have a whole lot of elevation. It does. Like yeah. there are a lot of elevation changes. You're up and down the whole way, and actually, it, it, it's kind of. It's like what they say, you know, you used to walk to school, you know, five miles in the snow, uphill both ways. Like, it kind of feels like a Pasa Tiempo. You're uphill all day long. Yeah, you're downhill the first three holes, but you don't feel like it. And all of a sudden, you're going, back uphill? How much? Yeah, it's a it's a walk. Pebble, I think, is a great walk by the beach. It's not that hot. It's kind of flat. That's a great then, walk. That That's the best walk ever. I think I th- that and St. Like, I think those two, like St. Andrews and Pebble, like those have to be the two best walks in golf. I, I challenge someone other than those two. We need to do a show just on Band and Dunes, though. I, I think that huh. I think we need to I think we need to do something. We got to find a way to get up there, find a time. Maybe after the baseball season, we'll find a way to get up there, and uh, and do something just on those five courses, like a little primer. Like if you're gonna go to if you're gonna go to Bandon, here's how you do it. I think that might need to be something that because we figured out like it's not that expensive. It, some people, you know, if you want to go on a budget, like the flight. Other than the flight, you can go and do it a lot cheaper. I, and I'll give credit to Monterey. Monterey is great. But you can do Bandon a little cheaper, and I think it would be an interest. If we could go there and do kind of a, you know, a, if you don't mind me joining, you do a little live from Bandon. I think we could make something. We might special. be able to. We might be able to work something like that out. Yeah, that would be, be that would that'd be, be pretty a cool, cool. Trip. That would be, um, yeah, because I mean, shoot, you go in the off season 
what's it like 195 in the, yeah, in the, I think in the like, spring and fall it's it's more expensive it's like 300 300 to play but then the replay rate you get half off well so i think in the like if you go like in november it's like a buck 90 to play your first round you get half off on the second so it's 95 so you play both you so play it's like 450 for two of the top 15 public courses in america no matter which combination you play right that's the same price as spyglass one round there Plus, yeah, you get two it, people on. The, the yeah. lodging is a lot less expensive. A it's like lot less expensive. A night abandoned. Yeah. You can get two fifty a night, and for one person, it's like two seventy for the day of golf in November. So you can play a day of golf, thirty six holes, and a night, and you're, it's five hundred bucks. Yeah. I still think you can go. You can do. The one thing I love about Monterey, like if you want to do it big and go go do Pebble, go do Spyglass. I mean, and, and it's it's so worth it. Spyglass, the first five hole. I mean, incredible. Spyglass has so many holes too, because it's the first five are great, but then it's like almost better when you get into the mountain a little bit um, and get into the forest. The forest is almost better than the dunes, which is insane to think about. Four is an amazing hole, but um, like 14 is great. There's so many at Spyglass that are incredible. Um, so you, you want to go to Monterey and go do it big? Yeah, go do it big. You don't have to. You can go to Pacific Grove, and the back nine at Pacific Grove is. The same kind of dune style that you're going to go play at Spanish Bay, that you're going to go play at, you know, it's, it's right there. It's it's in line with Monterey Peninsula and Cypress Point and, and all of those. $25. Right. Yeah. Right. Poppy so, Hills, you play, Poppy Hills is cheap. 100 bucks if you're a Southern California member. Even if you're not, I think it's 150 So uh, that's well in budget. So you can do it. You can go to Monterey yeah. and it doesn't have to be wild. But anyway, I, I went and we, I mean, it was. Milestone birthdays for me and my dad. We did it big. We did one time, once in a lifetime kind of a thing. I would say I don't think that I will. I don't think that I would do Pebble and Positiempo in the same day ever again. I, I wouldn't. I I'm agree. glad I. I'm glad I didn't. But I would not recommend it to somebody else. I agree. I would have done one of those two with a spyglass, but I would have left Pasa know, and Pebble. No, but you, but no, but I'm just saying I should in the have future. Done in the, I, what I should have done, and, and the schedule just didn't work out this no, way. No, I would have liked to have gotten off the plane, played Pasa Tiempo that first day, and then day two, Pebble in the morning, spyglass in the afternoon. And that's, that's the, if there is any knock on Monterey, which there, I don't think there really is a real one, but is that you're kind of at the, at the mercy of their schedule. They are so booked uh, not possible, but Pebble and Spag- uh, Spyglass in Spanish, they're booked months in advance. So you're kind of at the will of, you know, what tea time can you get? What, you know, where can you move right. it? Whereas at That's Bandon, the knock. Yeah. Other places abandoned, there's so many courses, you can kind of, you can finagle your schedule a little well, bit. So well, kinda... I will tell you this, though. I mean, you better, Bandon, we called. Oh, you're right. Well, uh, the first time, the first time I called, I called for fall of 23. A year out. And they were 100% sold out. But then I, I said, do you have anything in 22? And, and the gal on the phone laughed at me. She goes, no, we don't have anything in 22. Are you crazy? And then she goes, well, I said, well, could you at least look for me? And she went and she looked and she found something. Yep. And it was there was one there was one weekend that worked. I mean, you, so you just kind of have to get lucky like that. But it is possible. It's, you can do it. You go call. It makes it more fun. Kinda. Push a little bit. There's, there is something to the adventure of that. Okay. We're going to step aside. There's another course here in SoCal that I want to talk about that I think is a great prep course for a lot of these big-time, high-level style plays. We'll talk about it on the other side of this break. He's Ryan Cornelius sitting in for Nico Bellini. My name is Trent Rush. This is On The Links. Angels Radio. AM 830. 
Now on the team, your host from Anaheim, California, Trent Rush and Nico Bellini. Trent Rush with you here at our new time on the links. It is uh, Mondays at noon now. From now on, we're going to be doing this show moving forward. Uh, Sort of our uh, second year we're doing this. The PJ Tour season is in the books. Uh, Nico Bellini will be back next week. We have Ryan Cornelius in studio now. He hosts a great podcast, Off the Screws. Go check it out. Highly encourage it. We just spent some time talking about uh, golf in Monterey and travel destinations. And, and you know, the, the Bandon Dunes, I mean, I'm, everybody's heard about Bandon Dunes by now. Get up there if you get a chance. I, I know the word's already out. It is spectacular. It is truly heaven on earth if you are a golf fan. We're going to talk a lot more about Bandon moving forward. But maybe you're down here in Southern California, and you have one of these big trips coming up, and you're like, man, I, I want to play something that's at least close to that style. I don't know that you're going to find that here in terms of like dunes golf on the water or any of those kind of things, but in terms of like championship style shot-making golf that's a little bit new age, a little bit modern, that what we've seen, more a more modern design. There's one in SoCal that I think is, is every bit as good, at least as good as you could be here, based on the geography. And that, I think that's Rustic Canyon up there in, it's, what's it, Moore Park, Chatsworth, yeah, up, 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 Moore Park, that area. Um, that is a spectacular place to go play golf if you get a chance. I, I love Rustic Canyon. I think we were talking, there was a as we were doing our list the other day, as everyone does with golf, your favorites, your best value. We were talking about best value. Rustic Canyon, we drive up there. What You and me went and played it a month or so ago. We, we had really barely heard about it. Someone said, go play it. It's great value. Okay, we go and play it. It's far. It's an hour and a half from Orange County. Yeah, about 30 minutes north of L.A. Yeah. And it was, um, I was, it was $65.00. I honestly would put it up there with the three hundred dollar courses. It was it was awesome. Great green. The design was incredible. You're in kind of a valley, so it's a Lynx style course. It, it's not really dunesy, but it's Lynx ish. Like you're going to get in abandoned dunes, and it, the green complexes are insane. It's a great walk. Um, there's no housing, so you you feel like you're kind of out in a bit of a destination. Um, and you get there, it's got a great range, it's got a great clubhouse, and all of a sudden you're thinking, you probably walk up and you're hitting the range and you see the first hole and you go, okay, this is probably going to be a $200 golf course or $250, and you're paying $60. And and I was blown away by it, and I, I think you and me are going to get up there as many times as we can with that drive, as many times as it'll let us. I think you and me will be there playing. Yeah, I think that it's it's really well done. It's in it's in the championship vein of a lot of these courses, and that's what I'm, I think I like to do. And again, this is it's Gil Hands, Jim Wagner, um, Jeff Shackelford was a part of it. Um, so I mean, these are I mean, these are these are big time names in the golf design world. I mean, shoot, Gil Hands had two major courses this year and is a part of so many and Jim Urbina uh, a part of that as well and, and Urbina just the, you know he's the one maintaining Pasa Tiempo now so when you're talking about the highest level of golf architects you have one of these it's a gem for under a hundred dollars in Southern California that to me is the perfect prep course if you're going to go play you know, if you're going to go to Wisconsin, if you're going to go to Streamsong, if you're, if you're going to go, go to Monterey, if you're going to go to Bandit, if you're going to go play on one, if you have a Pinehurst, if you have a big golf trip coming up and you and the buddies are wanting to go and you're wanting to go spend a weekend where you get fully into it, I don't think Southern California, 
which has a lot of great individual courses. I don't think has anything like that. But the closest to it, if you want to get yourself ready for that, I think Rustic Canyon is, is as good as it gets. Uh, Gil Hands, well, and Urbina, but Gil makes probably the best green complexes in public golf in the states. I don't know. I don't think off my. I can't think of another course you can play of his publicly that's less than a hundred. I mean, sixty-five bucks. You're playing some of the best greens in the country. You get to go and. You you feel like didn't it feel like we were out kind of in the you're kind of out at a destination didn't yeah, feel, you feel like you're in L A didn't no. feel like you were in Moore Park no. so I, I thought it was uh, it was I'm shocked and, and I heard when we were talking to the guys that were working the shop they said it's because the owner had to buy it from L A County or whatever county they're in there and they one of the stipulations was they have to keep it kind of competitive with the municipal courses that are around there so more they've been kind of straddled with keeping the prices low but it's great for players like us because you can go and, and you want to get ready for these trips and you can go and not break the bank and have a great day you could play it twice it, it was it was astounding it was great uh only advice for us to canyon it can get hot it can get windy bring water but that's it we didn't do that we didn't we didn't bring we didn't know they didn't have any no no snack shops or anything on the corner yeah bring your gatorades bring your waters and, and you're fine but you do get that you get that remote destination golf kind of a feel and that's something that for me i crave that you know, we went to Band of Dunes last September, and every day since I've been home, I have craved to find something like that. We're sick a little bit. <laughs> it, it, it's 100% true. But I, I got a taste. When I went to Rustic Canyon, I got a taste. There is an, there's an element of finding something. It's a little bit hidden. you got to go way back in there to go find it. Um, there is something to... Being able to be a part of, of a place that, that has that championship feel. Like, I, I kind of rank courses, resort courses, championship courses. Rustic Canyon is every bit a championship course. So that's something that uh, we recommend. Ryan, it's been fun uh, just talking golf today. The PGA Tour season is over. And uh, here we are now getting a chance to work on our games and go talk about maybe what you guys want to do as far as golf goes. Ryan, thanks for coming in, man. Thanks for having me. Always. Thanks for having me. All right. He's the host of Off the Screws. Check it out. It's a podcast available uh, all over the place, wherever you get your podcast. Ryan's there. Off the Screws. It's how you can do that. We have our podcast as well. Nico will be back next week. I'm Trent Rush. Thanks for joining us on The Links.